Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Yuma, Arizona. This is a city located along the southwest border and that's seen a 170% increase in illegal immigration over the past year. I sat down with the mayor of the city to find out how they're coping with this surge. Mayor Nichols calls on Congress to update immigration laws that have been on the books since the 1980s, and he calls on the Biden administration to send a stronger public message to discourage economic migrants from showing up at their border. Here's our discussion. Mayor Nichols, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Of course, I want to talk about the illegal immigration issue here. You're right on the border state. Has this impacted you over the past couple of years at all? Impacted your city? It, it has impacted us. We're um, right on the border and we're, we're actually very uh, engaged with the uh, communities across the border. We do a lot of great things together, but having a, uh, a porous border actually impacts both sides uh, very negatively. When you have 300,000 people coming through this area just in this last fiscal year, um, that's three times the size of my city. And so by having um, that kind of influx, it affects like our healthcare system. Now we have one hospital here, and that hospital has experienced uh, quite a bit of an impact. Uh, in the last six months, they've had $20 million of unreimbursed expenses related to immigrant care uh, from, from the, um, the neonatal services, just through COVID services and all those things together. Well, those funds get distributed somehow, and so that impacts the cost of the citizens here when they go to the, use the hospital, as well as some of the capacity of the hospital gets used up. Uh, so those are big concerns for us from the healthcare side. Would you think that the federal government should be reimbursing your local hospital? It is definitely a federal issue. It's, immigration's not a local issue, otherwise we would be able to pass laws to address that. Uh, but no, it's definitely a federal issue and, and the federal government needs to make sure they're taking care of all those kind of expenses. Mm. Do you feel like your city has been able to adapt to the situation pretty efficiently? I mean, it seems like you guys have it more or less under control and also your thoughts on the shipping containers. The governor has taken some action here to help uh, fill in some of those gaps. Well, the shipping containers are a perfect example of how you try to protect a community. There was, there was a gap. The majority of the people, the, the, the 300,000 people were coming through those gaps. So by plugging that gap, it didn't prevent them from coming. It just it just reallocated them to a different area, but it, it focused that the resource where the resource need would be, but it also blocked the direct path into some private properties that were having a lot of issues uh, into the community and and really kind of focused it. So um, we have not had um, those big impacts, thankfully, but we're just days away from having that issue. In December of last year, we had three days of over um, over 1,500 people a day coming through and that exceeded the capacity that Border Patrol had and the whole system had. And so people were not being picked up and there were hundreds of people waiting along the border every day. And um, you know, their families, they're hungry, they're, so they start moving through the community. And so when they started doing that, uh, they were showing up at our homeless shelter and our police station and our fire department, looking for resources, understandably. Um, that's not a sustainable situation. If we get there, and that could happen, and again, a very, very short period of time, uh, that'll be a bigger problem if it persists. What would you say to those who may see 
securing the border and building the border wall here in Arizona as a negative thing and as something that we shouldn't do because it's dividing people or causing humanitarian crisis overseas, what would you say to them? Well, I think they need to understand a little bit differently that what happens between the ports of entries isn't good for any country. It isn't good for any person. Uh, the people and the stories we hear from those people who cross the border, the rape, the, the uh, exploitation, the theft, the abuse, that's not something as a country that we support. However, by not having physical barriers and not making immigration um, discouraging illegal immigration and making the, the legal immigration process more efficient and better, um, we only encourage that. I don't know anywhere in this country where anyone would support those activities, much less if they were happening in another country, we would take very verbal uh, and maybe even financial positions against that happening. But because of this rhetoric that we hear about a wall separating people, there's a border that separates people. Uh, the wall is just part of the defense of that border. Um, that rhetoric is what's preventing true change and, and true effective humanitarian efforts to, to help the people who truly need the help. Thank you for your time. You're welcome, thank you. And even as Biden and many major media outlets are ramping up attacks on Republican candidates, are these pocketbook issues enough to court voters to vote red? I spoke with a business and political commentator based in New York, John Burnett, and he says there's a good chance that minority voters are looking past the rhetoric and voting on the issues alone. All right, John, thanks for sparing the time to chat with us today. I want to start with our conversation with an issue that's mo that most voters are concerned about right now, and that is inflation. So Republicans are using this economic downturn as an opportunity to pin blame on the Biden administration and Democrats' policies. But Democrats, however, argue that this is a global issue, just a natural result of the pandemic. Now, practically speaking, can you help our audience understand how much of this record high inflation has actually caused by uh, slowing down our global economy versus how much of it is due to the Biden administration and Democrats' policies? Well, thanks for having me. I, I think the best way to start answering that question uh, is to echo the words of the great economist Milton Friedman. He said, there's only one driver to inflation and, it, and there's only one place that can create it, and that's Washington. Uh, through and by the response to COVID, not uh, necessarily COVID itself, right? So when you look at how we responded, yes, we did shut things down in many states, primarily Democrat-led states, uh, massive, wide-scale lockdown, shutdown, whatever word you want to use. And in tandem with that, we saw $6 trillion in spending. When you have that much money being released into the, uh, the local economy in America, uh, at the same time as shut down, you have, you're, you're thereby creating a, a lot of cash, right, in the market that's chasing fewer goods. So, so anytime you have that, it'll definitely spark inflation. 
Now, with that being said, John, um, let's talk about your interactions personally with minority voters. So we know that based on a study from a media watchdog group that was just released, Republicans are getting significantly more negative press than Democrats. That being said, and with the economy where it's at, do you think that minority voters in your community are seeing through this noise and are able to make sound decisions this election? Well, it's not about reaching everyone, right? Because no no one side uh, will, will get the entire voting block, right? But what we have seen through the negative noise, as you pointed out, uh, many different demographics, specifically Asian and Hispanics, uh, in large percentages, have seen through the negative noise. You know, when we look around the globe throughout Asia, Africa, Latin America, and so many other countries around the globe, many people have these small family businesses that are very vital to their survival, right? So, so, so they bring those same values to America combined with the opportunity that America provides them to, to, to go, go way beyond their, their potential that they've had uh, in their home country to live uh, the American dream and to provide uh, for their families. And when that is threatened, people begin to see, like, wait a second, through the negativity, through the, way past the politics, and really begin to hear the voice of candidates that speak to their values and the candidate that will provide them with the best opportunity for their families. Do you think that people are paying more attention to those crucial issues versus just what the media is kind of pushing and shoving at them constantly? They, can't, they cannot help but to look at those issues. Why? because it's, it's hitting them every day and throughout the day. When you combine safety with the basic elements of survival in terms of rent and all these other things that are going up in society, the working class family, whether you're Asian, Hispanic, black, white, or otherwise, have no choice but to have a laser sharp focus on these essentials and these things that impact their everyday lives. Wonderful insights. Thank you for your time. We appreciate you, John. Thank you. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.